Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price. I'm a medical oncologist at the Ottawa Hospital and immediate past president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series, I'll be interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, and some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country and indeed in the world to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Lung Cancer Voices podcast. You may not recognize my voice from before because I'm just recovering from um, a COVID infection, so my voice is a bit hoarse. I've been doing exercises for my voice to strengthen it, and exercise is the topic of our uh, podcast today because exercise you know, is very important for patients with cancer and um, patients with lung cancer. And so it's really lovely that we're going to have a three-way conversation today with Nicole Coulos-Reed, who um, runs an exercise program for cancer patients, who's involved with that, and is based in Calgary, and Dwayne Kelly, who is a lung cancer patient, who has taken part in one of these exercise programs and can to attest, I hope, to the benefits that he would have experienced. So we're going to get right into it. So Nicole and Dwayne, welcome to the Lung Cancer Voices podcast. Thank Um, you. And Nicole, I'm going to come to you first, please, if you don't mind. And maybe just you could set the scene from us, Um, you know, maybe a a little bit about what your background is and and how you got into this, but then really get into what, why is, why is exercise important for people who, who have cancer? Uh, I'll tell you as a clinician, when I meet people in the clinic uh, often and they're with their family members who are very well-meaning and they say to their loved one, they'll say, you're not going to have to do anything now. We're going to take care of you because you've got this diagnosis, which of course is lovely and well-meaning. But sometimes I have to push back and say, actually, it's probably good for you to actually carry on trying to be active. But, but maybe, Nicole, you could fill us in on, on why. Excellent. Well, thanks, Paul. And it's nice to hear that's the message you're giving them. So my background, I'm a professor in health behavior change, health and exercise psychology here in the faculties of kinesiology and medicine at the University of Calgary. Uh, And I've been studying the building, the evaluation, the implementation of exercise programs for individuals with cancer for the past 20 years. And so based on the work we do and the work that's gone on worldwide, there's thousands of studies, evidence showing the role of exercise for individuals from the point of diagnosis onward. So we're looking at during the cancer survivorship phase through treatment and beyond. And while most people think of exercise, they think of all the fitness benefits, right? I can walk faster, I can be stronger, but there's also a whole host of mental well-being benefits and that sense of control that can be taken away with cancer That's one of the main reasons I started studying this was to give people back something they can do to take back that control. So we see a whole host of benefits and and when we deliver exercise in the right way, we tailor it to meet the unique needs. We know that we can ultimately help people live better through treatment and then improve things beyond um, and enhance their overall quality of life. And and when you talk about um, exercise improving things for patients, uh, you mentioned mental work mental health as well um, and quality of life is there evidence sort of beyond that so like I can I know for myself like when I exercise and I I like to run so but when I exercise and I'm in a good place running I mentally I feel better I Mm -hmm. get that but 
and it's good for my quality of life and my general health. Is that for people with cancer, is there any evidence that it has impacts on life expectancy or on how well people then might be able to tolerate the treatments they're going through and things like that? Yes, absolutely. So we can break that down. So there's evidence for if we can improve functional well-being, maybe some indices, physical indices of fitness, um, as well as that emotional and mental well-being, that they can cope better and often tolerate more complete doses of their treatment, right? So most of that evidence comes in breast cancer, but there's some with mixed populations as well. So stronger, essentially, to go through treatment, receive more full treatment, and then we know that's related to survival. There's also epidemiological evidence looking at that association between being active and survivorship outcomes, right? So um, survival, um, all-cause mortality, cancer-specific mortality, as well as morbidity outcomes. And what we consistently see across different cancer populations, including lung, is this positive association between being physically active and increased survival, so decreased mortality. Okay. And I should just maybe just define that you mentioned uh, cancer-specific mortality and all-cause mortality. Yes. So for those who are not quite sure what those terms are, so let's say Dwayne, and we're going to come to Dwayne in a minute, Dwayne has lung cancer. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you're saying is that a good exercise program improves survival from lung cancer, the cancer-specific mm -hmm. mortality, but also all-cause mortality, meaning that Dwayne is also less likely to die of other things like a heart attack or a stroke because is that is that what you were getting at exactly yeah and it's association so it's not cause and effect evidence obviously right it's the association but higher activity levels at a very moderate level are associated with those long-term outcomes and not just the here and now that we talked about already those quality of life physical and mental benefits okay now this podcast is called lung cancer voices but you mentioned that a lot of the evidence comes from breast cancer Mm -hmm. Now, breast cancer patients, this is a generalization, but in general, a little bit younger than lung cancer patients, yep. or at least the average age of diagnosis is a bit lower. Mm -hmm. And lung cancer patients, again, not, uh, not all the time, but often can be associated with other medical problems, because still 80% of lung cancers are related to tobacco exposure. So other tobacco exposure related diseases, heart mm -hmm. disease, emphysema which maybe don't always occur in breast cancer, but could affect someone's fitness. So mm -hmm. long-winded question of, do you extra how much lung cancer data do you have, or do you extrapolate this? And is that extrapolation fair? Yeah, that's a great question. So breast cancer is by far the most studied population, prostate second, and then we see really a, a breakdown across many of the other tumor groups. There's increased evidence in lung cancer specifically though, and Dwayne can speak to the programs he's been in, but we've done uh, a number, a series of studies here in Calgary specific to lung cancer, as well as others across the world. And so we have this growing body of evidence that when we tailor exercise to meet the unique needs in lung cancer, the breathlessness being one of the big ones, but also comorbidity. So it's not just exercise for cancer, a good program's considering those other comorbidities and making sure that the program's tailored to meet those unique needs so that we do see these benefits and positive outcomes. Okay. Well, maybe that's a good segue for me to ask you about the program then. What, and, and maybe for, for lung cancer patients, what, what is the program that you've developed? What's it, what's it called? 
How long does it run? What kind of exercises does it involve? What do you do? Perfect. So a big focus of our work is building community-based physical activity programs for individuals living with and beyond cancer. Within our overall programs, we do tailor to meet the unique needs of different groups. The big program we have right now is called Excel, Exercise for Cancer to Enhance Living Well, and it's a nationally funded program, so it's available across Canada. It just started during COVID, and so it's all being delivered online. Excel is a 12-week program two classes per week, and it's a multimodal exercise program, meaning that we deliver all the different components of fitness. So we do things for the cardiovascular system, aerobic activities, a lot of functional movements for strength-based training, and then a focus on both balance and flexibility. So it's really about delivering a well-rounded program twice a week to our participants in this class. And then we assess them, right? So we bring them in, we screen them to make sure they're safe, but also to look at those things that they need to have tailored to meet their um, unique needs. So in lung cancer, you know, we're going to be asking them questions about what symptoms they're experiencing, where they are in the treatment trajectory, what other comorbidities they have, and other lifestyle factors that could impact their ability to engage in exercise. We then take that information, help to tailor the program for them, and then we assess them again at the end. And part of that assessment is to give the feedback to the participants so they can see what changes they have made. And not just the fitness changes, but also just how are they feeling. That sense of control that I mentioned, that sense of well-being, we're looking at that as much as we're looking at some of the fitness changes. After the 12-week program, we then have options for them to continue. So we understand that behavior change doesn't necessarily happen in you know a short 12 weeks, but we give them the skills. It's about building the behavior change skills in them so that they feel like they can be someone who exercises. They can start to move more. And so it's a lot about the messaging and the environment that we're building to support this exercise behavior change as much as it is delivering a really good fitness prescription. Great. Well, Dwayne, we'd probably better come to you now because you've uh, you've been taking part in this program. I should just say, I don't, we haven't mentioned it yet, but Nicole XL came out of a, another program called ACE, which is the um, Alberta Cancer Exercise Programs. So Dwayne, welcome to the podcast. Maybe you could uh, tell us some, you know, a little bit about your cancer story and then, you know, how did you get involved in an exercise program and how did it help you? Sure. Uh, my name is Dwayne Kelly. I'm a rural uh, person. I live an hour's drive southwest of Calgary. I was diagnosed in uh, three years ago when I was 71 years old with stage four lung cancer. I'm a non-smoker. I have no other serious health issues in my life. I've never been an inpatient. Just suddenly uh, I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. My involvement with um, exercise started with being recruited out of my oncologist's office to join in with a program that was specifically aimed at lung cancer patients. It's actually a study, academic study, 10, 10 stage four lung cancer patients. Uh, went on for 12 weeks. And at the end of the 12 weeks, I learned a lot about exercise. I had uh, been really impressed with a lot of people, a lot of equipment, and then uh, COVID hit. So just as I ended the 12 weeks, COVID hit. So there was nothing to be done for a while until the fall of 2020 when um, we started in with the, the Excel program, Zoom-based. I've been involved with that since in this maintenance program ever since. I still am participating in that. 
Nicole mentioned uh, some things besides exercise, and she's absolutely right. Probably the biggest single thing for me was at the very beginning going through the assessment program and having it having it proven to me that I could do things. I had uh, not been prepared to do much of anything at all until the assessment showed me that I didn't really have any excuses. I could do things. I went from uh, the initial uh, programs. My wife would drop me off at the nearest door to the Thrive Center because we didn't think it was safe for me to walk from the parking lot. We didn't think I actually could confidently do that. To um, now, I'm I live on an acreage. I, I help fix fences. I make, I make firewood. I get out and do things. I, I really haven't any excuses for not doing things. I understand that there are limits, and I hit, hit, I hit those sooner than most people do uh, for all, all kinds of issues. But I can actually get off my butt and do things, and that that's one of the biggest single things that's come out of the program for me. That's a wonderful testimony. Can you tell us what are the symptoms that you were having before you started the program? Aside from the sort of the recognition that you could do these things and you can get off your butt and do them. I think that was your words, not mine. Uh, if, if it was my words, I apologize. Was it common symptoms from people newly diagnosed with lung cancer or indeed at any point are feeling tired, f- feeling out of breath or having lost weight, which often involves muscle loss? So you do sort of general strength and fitness at, but other other people, it could be pain in somewhere that's sort of hindering their movement. And what was your uh, what was it with you? And and did and can you sort of expand uh, on that a bit? My, my my initial diagnosis as stage four was because it had metastasized. So it had my my issue was that uh, I had uh, fluid around my lung. So in, in the fall, as my initial treatments, that had to be dealt with. And it was as that was getting under control, my drug was uh, looking after me, that I got into the exercise program. So I went from uh, having really serious difficulty in breathing, as in my diaphragm was displaced, all kinds of bad things, to being able to breathe poorly. And the exercise program mostly mostly addressed the, uh, the whole concept of not thinking you should be doing them, but showing that you could, that you could move forward. I had been afraid of afraid of doing things, basically. I was afraid that I might hurt myself. I was afraid that uh, I might go too far. The program really emphasizes listening to your body, doing things within your limits, understanding that there are limits, but work towards meeting those limits, keeping on moving forward. Uh, not sure about particular uh, symptoms that were been addressed, largely mental. Okay. Well, you did mention the shortness of breath at the beginning, and obviously the you know the drug treatments and tackling the cancer it's, itself helped you in addition to exercise. Nicole, maybe I could come back to you for that specific symptom of shortness of breath. That can be really difficult, can't it? If someone can only you know get up three stairs before they, need, they can't get up a flight of stairs, or other people tell me when they're really out of breath that things like having a shower can be exhausting, mm-hmm. or you know, walking to the end of their driveway. What could you just give some practical examples of the type of exercises that you you recommend or you teach to help people with that specific symptom of, of uh, what we call it dyspnea in in is the medical term, but but shortness of breath. 
Yeah, and, and it seems right, counterintuitive. We're asking them to move more, which typically makes people breathe harder. And so that right away can be a barrier to individuals with lung cancer. They think about the term exercise and think, well, I can barely breathe as it is. Why would I push myself to breathe harder? But the beauty of exercise, I mean, we like to start talking to people about it in terms of movement and physical activity. And if we can help them build up their muscle strength, they can move easier without that experience of having shortness of breath and breathing harder. And that's really the beautiful thing about exercise is we should be able to, and we can tailor it to every individual. So one person might be walking at a brisk pace, somebody else can be walking at a lesser pace, but still get the movement benefits. Right. So different exercises that we do, what Dwayne talked about, his initial program was in person pre-COVID and then his second program, Excel, has been the one that's delivered online. And so it teaches individuals using visual analog scales so they can start to rank how hard are they moving and what does it feel like and where's their energy and fatigue. Because the shortness of breath, Paul, that you just mentioned, right, it's then related to that experience of fatigue, that overwhelming fatigue, cancer-related fatigue. And so when we get them to start to monitor, to test what Dwayne talks about, the limits, right, then we can have them adjust and they start to know, okay, this is how much I can do when I'm feeling this way. And if I'm feeling a bit better, maybe I can do some different exercises. So we teach them how to modify for themselves their movement. One person might do high knees, they might do a toe tap. One person standing up and sitting down, one person does everything from a chair. So it's modifiable, yet they'll all achieve benefits relevant to where they are. Okay. Dwayne? I'd like to add an example that I should have left out. But at the beginning, uh, shortness of breath meant things like um, not wanting to go down a flight of stairs to our walkout basement more than once a day because that was a, it was a real issue. I now run up and down and don't think anything of it. It's, it's a combination of strength and being able to breathe better. Dwayne, what? When you've got, you know, a few things, I guess, going well for you for the last few years since your diagnosis with the treatments and, and things like the exercise program, I, it's, I know this is a sort of arbitrary exercise I'm going to ask you, but are you able to sort of quantify how, you know, a, a holistic approach to feeling better because, it, you know, there's exercise, there's the cancer treatments or the support you get from the cancer center, there might be psychosocial oncology there may be family supports community um community support where, where where do you place exercise and the exercise program in this sort of suite of things that may have helped you well you always always have to remember the friends and family that are doing all kinds of things for me but the uh, medical world is, has been keeping me alive and the exercise program is going to think the key to actually living it's uh, I've had way more time, but I'm getting to use that time way better than I ever expected. I'm statistically, I'm way beyond anything I ever expected. That's uh, that's great. One of my colleagues, um, I've probably said this on the podcast before, but one of my colleagues, when talking about terminal cancer diagnoses for for people, she she used the phrase that living is more than just not being dead, mm-hmm. and uh, so. You know, treatments and programs like this, are, are, the, the goal shouldn't be purely just to control a cancer to keep someone alive, but allow them to live. And in fact, it's there embedded in the title of your programs, Exercising Cancer to Enhance Living Well. Mm-hmm. So, Dwayne, that's a great, uh, great testimony. I love the way you put that. Nicole, I imagine that people listening to this 
will have some practical questions. At least I've got some practical questions. So I'll just fire off a few questions. So how many people are in each program? Because you said that there's some sort of individual feedback. So is there a, a class size of eight or 12? Yep. Exactly. Our minimum number for Excel, um, especially given the online nature of delivery, we have a lot of safety precautions in place, minimum of eight, maximum of 12 to 15, really depending on the nature of the participants in the class. But we do purposefully keep it small so that we can give that individualized attention. It's not a big exercise Peloton class with thousands of people joining each class. Okay. And how much does it cost? The baseline is free. It's funded by Canadian Institutes of Health Research and the Canadian Cancer Society. So there are no costs to starting the program. As Dwayne mentioned, he's been doing it continuously since. So we have a maintenance program. I think it works out to about five to seven dollars a class. So it covers the cost of our instructors. It's basically um, just done to be sustainable. The cost recovery okay. program. But the, but the initial program is, is free of charge free. and then people could, if they're doing well, take what they've learned off independently. Absolutely. And that's our goal is give them the skills to be independent movers or independent exercisers. Okay. And how would people find out? Is, is there a website? Is there a... Mm -hmm. Yeah. The so they can reach out to us, our website at the University of Calgary is called thriveforcancersurvivors.com. And they can also find me, my name, Nicole Culos-Reed at the University of Calgary. And on that website, they'll see a link to Excel or if they're in Alberta, like Duane, to potentially the ACE program. So it's the same program, the same 12-week model. And these are programs that are for everyone. But I will say um, we've had a strong interest from the Lung Cancer Canada support group. And so we do have and have had in the past lung-specific classes, which is really nice for building that sense of community and enabling that instructor to really tailor to the needs of just lung patients in that group. Okay. And uh, look, Dwayne has done both like the in-person and virtual Dwayne, I'll come maybe this and then we'll close up. But Dwayne, maybe I'll come to you first and then and then back to you, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Dwayne, what, which did you prefer or what were the benefits and ups and downs of in-person classes versus virtual classes? Well, there are pros and cons of both. The um, pros are fairly obvious for having face-to-face, hands-on, very personalized instruction with great facilities. Uh, the con is I... It's a two-hour two-hour round trip for me to go there, so the Zoom-based program lets me keep on doing it uh, from home. I'm comfortable doing it twice a week. The university I was only going to do it once a week because because of the timing and the driving. Particularly as that was winter time, so I I'm really impressed with the online instruction process. The uh, I don't think we've mentioned it, but it's being led by people who are professional professionals in the exercise world but have had specific cancer training as well. So they understand what the limitations are of the participants and they, they do a great job. The monitors um, are there for safety among other things. And I, and I like to illustrate that by the time that, uh, that the day after I had a COVID shot, I uh, partway through the exercise program, I just didn't feel right. I was nauseous. And I uh, sent, a, sent a text saying, a chat saying, uh, sorry, I, I, was, I was going to have to drop out. Within minutes, my phone would ring, asking my wife if I was okay. Okay. So very connected. You know, we know that uh, lung cancer is um, a disease that is, well, it's the most common, commonly diagnosed cancer in Canada. And we know that 
unfortunately, people who live in rural areas have often not done so well as people who live in urban areas um, with lung cancer. So having access to these programs virtually, and so you don't have to have this, these long drives, um, really be a huge benefit. Nicole, have you, have you seen, um, have you seen some sort of unanticipated benefits or of, of virtual or versus in person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our ability to reach those who are typically underserved is the biggest benefit, right? We remove the barrier of that lack of access simply based on where they're living. Very few individuals, Dwayne was very committed to his initial lung specific exercise program and driving in for that hour and then driving again for another hour. Most people won't do that or they don't have the ability to do it, even if they wanted to. So being able to deliver online, yeah, we give away a little bit of that, you know, connection to community and that hands-on. But as Dwayne mentioned, really well-trained instructors and a focus on behavior change. So we set up what we call a positive motivational climate to really ensure that we can deliver a, an environment and a supportive environment that does foster those connections, that does bring that community still together, even though we're not in person. And so, yeah, the, I think that's been the biggest benefit of doing this online is being able to give people something that they've never had access to. Great. Well, thank you so much to both the, uh, both of you, Nicole Kulafid and Dwayne Kelly. I think you can, I think those, the, now I'm speaking to people listening, I, I hope you've got a clear sense that, you know, exercise can be really beneficial for your cancer journey, for your symptoms, for your quality of life. As I can't put it any better than, than, than Dwayne did, that the, the, the cancer treatment is helping him to be alive and the, the exercise is helping him to live or, or a paraphrase of something like that. If you want to find out more, you could look at the thriveforcancersurvivors.com website where you'll find details about the Excel program. You could also uh, look at the lungcancercanada.ca website where we will uh, be posting, uh, you'll be able to access this podcast. Um, of course, you're already listening to it, so you won't need to go there again. And you can get information about um, those links. Uh, you could also inquire in your local area where you're being treated. Lots of cancer centers now will maybe have some sort of version of a cancer exercise program or could link you to something like that. So what a great part. Thank you again, Nicole and Dwayne. Um, and please, uh, those listening, tune in to the next, uh, the next podcast when it's released in a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I should add that uh, I have a great deal of thanks to offer to all the people involved with, uh, first of all, creating this program, as in Nicole and getting the support financially to make it, make it happen. And then for her team that produce a, a wonderful product, I think. And I'm hoping that uh, the listeners to this will all have the opportunity to have the same experiences that I did, that uh, will become a part of the standard of care and that. Uh, They'll be automatically operated as part of every time they go to see an oncologist. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.